Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Hello and welcome to our new short format servings of consciously prepared brain food designed to improve your mental fitness. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen, your host. For more than 12 years, we've been proudly and consistently crafting harvesting happiness and sharing it with you. Each week, we spotlight diverse thinkers and doers who are contemporary trendsetters and change agents devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. We invite you to listen up and change the way you think about human happiness. Our award-winning content is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Alrighty then, let's dive in. This episode offers psychosocial education designed to inspire and motivate our listeners. The information provided does not constitute a therapeutic relationship nor a substitute for professional mental health care. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911, go to your nearest emergency room, or for listeners in the United States, text 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on today's show, where you will learn about the roadmap to a meaningful life. My guest today is Mark Lesser, who is a friend of the show, and I'm so excited he's back to talk about his newest book. Mark Lesser is a speaker, mindfulness practitioner, and former Zen monk with an MBA, the pioneer who helped bring emotional intelligence and mindfulness programs to Google. His newest book is Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. Mark spent 10 years as a monk, as a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center, and director of Tassajara Zen Mountain center the first zen monastery in the western world he continues to lead mill valley zen a weekly meditation group he developed the world-renowned mindfulness-based leadership program search inside yourself siy program within google and now serves as the ceo of zba associates mark welcome back to the show Thanks, Lisa. Uh, great to be back with you. Uh, great to have you. Always, we have great conversations, and I want to talk a little bit first about what you mean by finding clarity, because in a very busy world that's filled with all kinds of noises and influences, the idea that we can hone into clarity uh, speaks to me. Yeah, well... What I mean by finding clarity is clarity on what I think of as, you know, at least a couple of levels, you know, so there's, there's, of course, you know, clarity in our, in our day to day lives, right within our what we're doing, how we're thinking about things, clarity in our relationships, uh, in our work lives. Yeah, so in some way it's the maybe the opposite of uh, confusion or delusion, you know. And we easily get confused. We easily get deluded. We we human beings are can be pretty complex creatures. So it's, there's a kind of focus and simplicity. But then there's also, I think, you know, maybe the layer beneath that is around, you know, letting go of our erroneous beliefs, limiting beliefs, mistaken beliefs about ourselves and about who, who we are. 
and then maybe one more layer down the, you know, down the elevator shaft is what I think of as maybe the world of uh, see, seeing that the world, that we live in this mysterious, most sacred world, right? This is maybe the, you know, really when we can let go of the, you know, the day-to-day survival concerns, we can see that actually, you know, the Shinryu Suzuki, the the founder of the San Francisco Zen Center, and, you know, his it's his talks in the book Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind says, you know, the world is its own magic. The world is its own magic. And and I think it's living, you know, real clarity, I think, is when we can burst through, you know, all of the the noises. And of course, we all live, you know, we all have to live uh, skillfully and with clarity in the ordinary world. And there's something about the this other, the, the reality of the what I think of as the uh, ordinary, everyday, sacred world as well. I love that, the ordinary, sacred world. And in my experience, when I go there, <laughs> life is a lot easier. Yeah, well, easier and easier, but in a funny way, you know, yes. I think easier in that we feel more deeply, right? I think we feel our, you know, we f- maybe feel our loneliness. We feel the pain. We feel the pain of others, but we're not resisting, you know? So it's not like we're resisting feeling our loneliness or the challenges or the difficulties. Um, and and somehow, I think that's, to me, the uh, one of the great paradoxes that's, again, you know, a <laughs> lot a lot of the work that I do these days and for for the past many, many years has been bringing, you know, our full humanity into the world of work, bringing our full humanity into the, you know, the business world, the corporate world. And, and it, in a surprising way, things go better. You know, I think we've all been, we've all been trained, you know, culturally, I think, um, for the last, you know, I don't know, hundred years, the the assumption was to root out, root out all that humanity in the in the business world, and you know, and everything will be, you know, focus on the work, not the human element, you know, and, and there's something about the um, bringing in our full humanity uh, to to our work lives and all and all parts of our lives as well. And when you talk about bringing in the humanity, that connects to the compassion, the empathy, the connectedness that then brings us to the accountability to ourselves and others. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's in some way, I think there's been an emphasis in the world of work on on accountability, but in a way, accountability that leaves out emotions and and relationships it, it can't it can't work you know it's kind of uh the sense of turning people into machines and so there's something just innately inherently uh just uh, so positive and effective about that uh yes in the world of work we we need to hold ourselves we need to hold others accountable accountability in a way is like truth telling and you know doing what we say we're going to do and aligning with what's important but we also need the you know the emotional intelligence piece the trust the care the compassion uh, piece 
Let's touch a little bit on truth-telling and how it relates to resolving conflict and other destructive emotions. But before we can resolve conflict, we have to first be willing to kind of look it in the eye, right? Yeah. You know, and I think, again, this is, I think, uh, you know, this truth-telling is rooted in in self-awareness, right? That that what is my own, you know, it starts with, you know, there's no, there's no truth, you know, with a capital T when it comes to relationships, <laughs> it's, it's what, what am I, what, what is my experience and, and what is your experience and, and what are the, you know, what are the commitments that we've made? Uh, how are we aligned what what does success look like to me and to you? And where are we aligned and where aren't we aligned? And how's it going? How does it feel uh, working with each other? Uh, these are all, you know, I think the different forms of, uh, you know, account accountability and having, you know, and, and aligning and having these conversations with, a, you know, with with good heartedness, right? Good, like bringing a sense of, assuming the best, assuming the best in each other. This practice alone would solve an awful lot of problems in the world of work. The assuming the best of each other practice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to say, but it, it is harder, you know, it's hard to do because we're such, we all, I think, are such um, vulnerable. We get defensive easily. We get hurt easily. And as soon as we feel hurt, as soon as we feel defensive, as soon as there's some some anything that smells like threat we we humans tend to go right to blame right and we protect our, many many strategies whatever strategy we might have uh, to protect ourselves and then things then things get really wonky so but if we can keep coming back to being curious about our own patterns and our own stories and beliefs and keep stay open, stay open to, yeah, this, uh, these, these other, you know, what, what if these other people, um, what, what if we can assume the best in them? This is a practice. <laughs> this really is. is a practice because I think that society today assumes the worst, you know, that the, they, the other couldn't possibly do it right or show up for me. And that sets up uh, a structure that is uh, a recipe for disappointment. But at the same time, it could be also an invitation for delight when we're proven wrong. Yeah, yeah. A again, and this is true in all, you know, human, human relationships. You know, in some of the research that I did for um, this book, Finding Clarity, I was surprised to discover you know, something like a, a third of family members aren't speaking to each other or some crazy statistic like that. You know, and I think what happens in the world of work, people in a way, it's not that they maybe aren't speaking to each other at all, but there, there stops being a sense of real trust, of real connection. And what I've noticed is that if you're in the, in the world of work, if you're not on, in an ongoing way, cultivating connection and trust, you are without knowing it, cultivating cynicism and disconnection. 
that that cynicism and disconnection uh, in a way are the default that they're easy they're really easy in the world of money and hierarchy and decision making and getting stuff done it it takes uh it takes a certain mindset and ongoing practice to continue with that you know <laughs> assuming the best in each other keeping the lines of communication open uh working skillfully and effectively with each other we're going to need to take a break in, in a minute or two. But before we do, I want to talk about the power of listening and its effect upon both finding clarity and creating those satisfying, connected, and productive relationships. Yes, listening, listening. It's easy to say and hard to do. It's, you know, like, like many of these practices, yeah, you know, like, of course, everyone's listening. But no, this is like really listening. Listening, listening means, you know, listening not only for the storyline, for the content, but listening for feelings, listening for even the um, identity issues, especially in the world of work. The issues around competency is such a big one. Listening for where we are aligned and where we're not aligned. Again, so this is... Um, you know, and and it's and it, much of our listening is happening automatically, and so take some again this this self awareness to notice what our listening is and where we need to uh, work a little bit more to open open up listening with our full, you know, bodies, minds, and hearts is is a really potent and ongoing practice. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation with my guest today, Mark Lesser. We're talking about finding clarity, how compassionate accountability builds vibrant relationships, thriving workplaces, and meaningful lives. To learn more about Mark and his work, please go to marklesser.net. On Twitter, you can find him at Mark Lesser. On Facebook, Mark Lesser ZBA. And on Instagram, Mark Lesser. And Mark is spelled with a C. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. But before we get back to it, let's talk about happiness from the inside out. Great hair begins in much the same way, from the inside out. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement that's clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Did you know that 30 million women in the U.S. are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them like me, you're not alone, and there is a solution that you can trust to deliver great results. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of hair thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. That's why I'm a huge fan of Nutrafol because it goes beyond genetics to target the factors that impact hair growth and helps bring your body back into balance. In a clinical study, 86% of women saw improved growth after six months of use. Nutrafol has multiple unique formulas that provide exactly what we need based on biology, age, and stage of life. Each physician-formulated product uses natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients in consistent doses for reliable results that I have experienced firsthand. More than 3,000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective, high-quality solution for healthier hair. What I love most about Nutrafol is that in addition to beautiful hair, the ingredients have helped improve my sleep, stress response, skin, nails, and those pesky menopause symptoms, including hot flashes. 
who wouldn't want better well-being? A big shout out of thanks to Nutrafol for helping me grow thicker, healthier, and happier hair. Now is the time to have lovelier locks and better well-being with Nutrafol. Just four pills twice a day and you'll experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. Join me and millions of others who are celebrating great hair days with Nutrafol. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code HARVESTING to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HARVESTING. Let's get back to it. Research tells us that happiness is good for our health. Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for nutritious helpings of positive goodness. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and at times we all need a little support. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and at the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com to explore experiential online and on-site optimal lifestyle management consulting services, including recovery fortification and life crisis triage. And we're back continuing the conversation with my guest today, Mark Lesser. We're talking about the roadmap to a meaningful life. Let's return to the conversation. And we're back with my guest today, Mark Lesser. We're talking about his newest book, Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. So, Mark, prior to the break, we were talking about the power of listening, real listening, or I like to call it deep listening, (laughs) as a tool for our, not only our own well-being, but for building healthy relationships. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about how this listening process matters when we as individual humans are trying to gain clarity about something or a situation or someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just reflecting on, I think the, uh, what I ended up calling the chapter was a listen, listening for understanding, right? So like, you know, why are we listening? What's the, what's the motivation? It's about more, more clarity, but, and also uh, understanding ourselves and understanding other people, understanding our, our world better again. And, and, you know, noticing, um, you know, I think that uh, I'm often quoting my, Google engineer friend who says, you know, we, we humans are descendants of the nervous apes, right? (laughs) That that our ancestors who were chill and cool, you know, they all got killed. That it it was the ones from an evolutionary process. We have inherited the genes of those who are really good at scanning for threats. And this is, you know, because we're here to be alive and pass on our genes and this is what makes listening so important and also a practice right that we tend we tend to go right to you know fight flight or freeze and this is just a natural process so it starts with i think noticing our own patterns noticing our own emotions the stories we tell and then to be able to 
not be so caught by those that that so listening listening for the uh, the feelings, emotions, and stories of others, uh, of others as well. Whether it's again, this is one of the things I love about these practices is we get to do them in all our relationships, right? It's uh, whether it's in our our personal lives, our family lives, or at work. You know, we tend to we tend to bring the same patterns, the same strengths, uh, and the same areas for for growth. Um, yeah, and I think it starts with noticing you know the quality the the, the quality uh, the depth and breadth of our ability to really uh hear and listen to our ourselves and to the people around us and i wanted to just add something about the gift that the speaker feels when the listener listens well mm. Because I don't know about you, but in my experience, when I have felt that someone has really been there, been with me and listened deeply, it's a gift, right? It's, it's, it's like, it's uh, essentially feeling loved. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I often, uh, I used to do, and still on occasion, many uh, two day workshops and typically at the end of day one, my suggested homework for the participants would be, you know, if when you go home tonight, if your partner comes to you with some problem or issue, instead of going right into problem solving, try saying, would you like me just to listen? Or would you like me to problem solve? And, and it's very often very funny on, on day two, and it and it's especially the men, but sometimes women as well, uh, but the the men come back and say, you know, my my partner didn't recognize me. They w- wondered if I was abducted by aliens when I asked <laughs> when I asked about listening. Yeah, we you know we are trained uh, in especially in the world of work, you know, to have the answers, to problem solve, to go right to that, and we 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 do that at home as well. So there is something about just creating a little more space, a little more space to. Uh, to listen, to bring a sense of curiosity, and uh, to, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, people really like it, you know, and we all do, as you were saying, Lisa. That if you're if you're telling someone a story, you're you're telling someone about your experience, and they say, "Tell me more, tell me yes. more," yes, like yeah, and and then what happened, or how did you feel about that? Like uh, it's uh, it's so. It it builds such connective tissue, right? The the um, that's really the advanced listening practice, right? To not only listen, but like not only am I listening, but I'm I'm really listening. I'm I'm interested. What else do you have to say? Yeah, I'm really with you, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. that's the the heart of what you're trying to communicate, right? To, to teach us how to be with one another more deeply. Yeah. You know, we were saying earlier about the, you know, the the practice of assuming the best of others. In a way, this is like a uh, an activity or putting it out there. It's actually demonstrating through your words and your listening that that it's again, it's one thing to say, I, you know, I have your back or I care about you. But then to to put that into practice, uh, it, it again, it just builds, builds, builds trust. Let's 
shift just slightly to talk a little bit about the power of stopping when we're talking about finding clarity and how to cultivate these skills to be a better leader, a better partner, and a better person, you write in Finding Clarity about start by stopping. Yeah, I think that was my, you know, I on my cheat sheet for my, <laughs> my suggested approach, the first one is that I think in order to find a sense of more clarity, to not be pushed around by our stories and by difficult emotions and you know by our stresses and anxieties there's something about having having some kind of a stopping practice again for for me i'm often recommending you know uh, a meditation practice even if it's for um, a few minutes a day i just spent five days uh, i just i call it returning to the well Uh, i returned to you know my uh, the, the Tassahara, the Zen monastery that I spent many years at, um, I was able to go there. They have, you know, you can go be a student there for five days and uh, unplug, you know, just, wow, just like whole five days without being on the grid. It's funny. It's, a, it's like a great privilege these days to be able to to get away, you know, and I was, as I'm saying this, I'm remembering after doing a uh, an all day retreat once with a group of Google engineers, they were blown away by how much it affected, how good they felt after just getting off the grid for a day. And they said, "Do we need to go? You know, do we need to go to the monastery? Because this." And I said, "No. Well, you can, but why don't you create create your own little mini monastery in your home?" Uh, Make a make a place in your home where you can spend a few minutes or you know 20, 30 minutes each morning just un- unplugging, just being with your breath and your body and your and your feelings. Uh, and there's something about you know that that kind of resting and renewal and unplugging. And then how can you aspire to bring that sense of spaciousness into your busy day, into your full day, into whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, working or being with kids and family, but uh, there's a way that we, um, we all need, I think, that, that, that experience and practice of a bit of spaciousness right in the, you know, the stresses and strains of whatever we're trying to do. As you're speaking, I'm thinking this is about also listening to ourselves and what's around us in this meditative state or reflective place. We are doing a different form of listening. Yeah, you know, it's like the, um, you know, I always, I always like the uh, Stephen Covey's, you know, this seven habits of highly effective people. The last habit of sharpening the saw, right? That, that image of the carpenter who doesn't have time, right? To, doesn't have time to keep his saw sharp. And that's such a, a beautiful metaphor that a sharp saw cuts easier, cuts you know, <laughs> than, than, than a dull saw. And we, and this, you know, in this metaphor, we are, we are the saw, right? That are the quality of our listening, the quality of our being able to connect will, you know, it will, will directly impact everything in, in uh, how, how much we are connecting with others, how effective we're being, 
uh, the quality of our speaking and writing are all impacted by it starts with us starts with our own you know our own uh, spaciousness and clarity I want to read a quote from your book, Finding Clarity. This is in the chapter, Be Curious, Not Furious. You write, a strange and rather pervasive human behavior pattern is that we tend to judge others by the impact their actions have on us. And this really grabbed me because because we are oftentimes in a reference, you know, how is what's going on out there affecting me? And what we've just spoken of is not about completely discounting ourselves or or putting ourselves out of the equation, but understanding that we are not the center of what goes on out there. Well, you know, I thought you know I thought you were going to read the whole quote because the other the next sentence the next sentence I believe is we judge others by the impact their words and actions have on us. But we judge ourselves by our intentions, yes. right? That we are all we are all good people. We're all well-meaning people. But they, you know, yeah, them, <laughs> them out there. <laughs> and well, and this is that you know. Again, I think of this as they, they should teach this starting. And these days, more and more they do. But this should be a starting kindergarten and first grade to not confuse the impact that someone else has on us. So anytime we feel, especially the ouch, the ouch, or, you know, or we, you know, I like the example of someone cuts you off uh, on the highway and it's like, oh, you immediately are angry. You're immediately like there. So you immediately go almost unconsciously. We go right to thinking that we know what their motivation or intention are. So we go right to blame. This is a, this is a potent human process of any time that we feel hurt or threatened, we go right to blame. And we go right to thinking that we know, you know, they must, they must be a bad person. They must have been trying to hurt us. Why, why else would they look at us that way or say that to us or do that? And so often, you know, we don't know, we, you know, and this is that, uh, to be curious, to be curious about our own feelings and reactions and to, Again, when it's uh, when it's appropriate to to inquire about, um, hey, I I'm, I'm curious, wh- what wh- why did you do that? What were you thinking when you did that? I love it. Tell me more. How are we doing? Tell me more, and I'm curious. <laughs> Just those three things could change everything. They could, they could, but again, they're uh, easy to say and and harder harder to actually do. You know, and I. I, I have to say, Lisa, I'm often laughing at myself in that, you know, I it's it's one thing to be teaching these things and writing about these things, but I notice that they take ongoing work in my in my own life. You know that I'm um, I'm I'm as conflict avoidant as the next person, just, uh, <laughs> d- uh, despite you know despite my uh, I've I've really made it a vow in my life to not avoid conflict, um, that it, it's something that I've noticed. It's the, the only times I've ever gotten into trouble in the world of leadership and work is by avoiding having those difficult conversations. And I, 
Um, so I, it doesn't mean that I need to act on and have every difficult conversation, but at least to be aware of it and, and to say to myself, time to wake up to this lesser and note what's happening here. Uh, how, or, boy, there, there I am doing that thing that I'm always teaching other people not to do. I'm, you know, whether it's avoiding or judging or not being just fully curious, fully there. Well, it's good to know you're human like the rest of us. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Lesser, thanks for hanging out. And thanks for writing this book, Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. Come back anytime. Let's do more. Visit Mark Lesser at marklesser.net. On Twitter, you can find him at Mark Lesser. Facebook, Mark Lesser, Z-B-A. And on Instagram at Mark Lesser. Thanks again for sharing part of your day with me. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen on behalf of my guest, Mark Lesser, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes from our mental muscle toning libraries at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com, Toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about my global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced by me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Andrea Mangeli, Robin Boyd, Andrea Daly, and the awesome team at Podfly Productions, including Eric Begay, Kimberly Beck, and Alec Gus, in collaboration with Tokinet Radio, KBUU RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.